didn't work. Uh, I don't remember what I was going to talk about. What what uh, what was I starting with last time when I couldn't hear you talking? Do you remember? You didn't get very far. You you said like okay, so and then you're like wait. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it'll come back to me. But in the meantime, uh, someone shared the top 100 gadgets of the last decade. Now, for I have one question. One, just so that the uh, the people who tell me the way things are reality uh, between the two of you. Now, is 2010 the beginning of a decade or the end of the previous decade? And therefore, is, is, is does that apply to 2020? Isn't there some sort of like zero base situation going on that people are always <laughs> I, like getting on your people's case about? I think 2010 is the start. 2010 is the start. OK, yeah. so yeah, we're all we're gonna start a new one. We're about to start right. a new one. That's right. Zero based indexing, right? Always start from zero. Now, so. now I'm I'm gonna, as always, show off my lack of mathematical aptitude because I guess the the logic goes that 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 good old Christ there, he was born in year zero. So actually, like what we consider to be, you know, AD one is AD zero or something. But that shouldn't mess up the century counting. That's a whole. That's a religious issue over there. His, historical records are spotty at best. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you remember the law of Hammurabi? I made a reference to that earlier today, and I just I couldn't really work in a joke except like I hope you know, uh, you know, one of my buildings doesn't crush someone because then I'll be crushed or something like mm. that. That's a very simplistic way of thinking about things. Anyways, all right, now that we got that sorted out, the uh, the top 100 gadgets. There's a list that came out, I think, from uh, Vox or Verge or one of the V publications. I don't really know, and uh. uh one, I kept look, waiting for them to put the iPhone in there, and then I realized that I was doing one of those uh, older gentleman things where I was like, oh, right, this, dec- this decade began, began in 2010, not 2000. I, I oh. kind of have collapsed the years together. But I'm, I'm going to give away the spoiler right at the beginning. The, uh, the iPhone 4 was their number one pick, which uh, I don't know. Did, now, did you think that these were ordered by... I don't know significance or I thought there was some significance to him. I, I mean, I thought there was, but then after a while, I was like, "This doesn't make any sense." Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was a fun walk down memory lane, and as always with these yes. sum up things, there were mysteriously there were a lot of them from the last two years, and especially this year because that's what people remember. But you know, when I was looking through it, I was thinking like, "Man, I don't even know how I would uh, come up with this list." I mean, I'd have to rely on someone else to have already made a list. Well, like, well, well, the key is if you're the Verge, you yeah. just look back over the last 10 years of things mm. you've made headlines and you're like, done. I see. I see. It's really just an index of all their product reviews. So it's just that's all it really is for them. <laughs> just more SEO. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I have a question, Cote, uh, and then for you, man, too. It's like when you before you actually uh, saw the list, did you kind of have a guess in your mind? Like, oh, I think this is going to be the number one because um, mine was like when I looked at it, I was like, I think it's going to be uh, the Alexa Echo. Mm. Right. I was like, that's, that was like that's number been pretty, two, I think. Yeah, it was number two. So I was like, and then I didn't realize going into it uh, that they were going to rate each iPhone generation like on its own. So I was like, oh, that's sort of, I don't know. I don't know if it's cheating, but it was just sort of like, oh, okay. I guess you got to take... scratch to get to a hundred. Yeah. So I think that's what happened. They're like, Ooh, let's just, like, it probably would have been better as a top 50 list. And you ca- collapsed, uh, a couple of the iPhone categories because yeah. it's like, oh, the iPhone six, oh, the iPhone well, four. Less SEO with that, right? Less chance yeah, to link true. back in their own stuff and link into Amazon stores. Look, look how cynical you two are. Don't you think they just did it for the joy of doing it, and and because it was solid journalism? They're like this. You know what? We may not be the Pointer Institute, 
but this has got to get out there. The, the world, the third <laughs> estate's got to represent. So they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you, do you, coworkers, do you recognize the significance of this? It's the end <laughs> of a decade. It's the end of an era. Do we owe it to humanity to provide a top 100 list of things we reviewed in the last 10 years? <laughs> this is definitely i thought some of the other ones though i thought the macbook air i thought that was third i guess the 2013 i was like i did think that that was worthy because i was like that did sort of set a uh i don't know standard for you know i guess ultra portable laptops that one was like and i i actually did think maybe if i was to go through and do it myself like i think i would maybe put airpods at the top which is yeah. i don't know if that's like uh if, if they're not significant enough but i just feel yeah. like man there's nothing i use more the, I guess other than my phone is the AirPods. Well, That's been I mean, you know, so that that one. I also feel like that was one instance of where Apple's like, you don't need the headphone jack anymore. And I think mm-hmm. everyone was like, no, we do. And then they gave you the AirPods. You're like, oh no, we don't. I'm never going back to yeah. any type of headphone jack. So that one, I think, actually, in the this one case of Apple, because obviously the keyboards and all the other stuff aside, that that was a place I think they were right. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I agree. Well, I like I like I have those noise canceling ones. They're fantastic, and they are, uh, you know, that I oftentimes when I'm going through life, I wish that the AirPods were small enough so that no one could tell I was wearing them, so I could always be wearing them, <laughs> and and just like even even when I'm in conversation with someone, or I'm at, like at a parent teacher meeting, or I'm at like you know one of these conferences I go to, I just wish I had, could have those in there constantly, just going on. And, well, uh, they have that great so scene in, uh, I think it's Minority Report, where essentially that's what he puts in, just like the tiny, the tiniest of uh, little, mm. you know, I mean, you, so you could say basically that it was a good example of like what the AirPods have become. And I guess the new version, I guess you have it, could say, would you say it's significantly smaller than the previous ones? Like, are we like five years away from just like you a know, tiny pod? I happen to have both here on my desk. I'm going to do a quick, quick comparison. I, I think, ooh. Those are long, long guys there. Let me, yeah, well, mm, mm, I would things in my ear for our listeners. I would no, no, it's not significant. I would say that uh, I don't know. It's an eighth shorter, really not okay. that shorter at all. So we just kind of say the end of next decade, maybe we can have them where they're just like tiny little earplugs you put in that are not noticeable. Oh. That may be. Uh, yeah. maybe, you know, so we're, we'll say, you know, there, there's a prediction for you in 10 years, you won't be able to see there, you know, the, uh, well, we could, th- this would we solve, this would solve one of my classic first world problems is like when the Uber driver, like, I feel like I, I have to take the earphones out or I'm being rude. So I could, I could, I could be the only one knowing I was rude by keeping them in when I'm having someone Perfect. drive me around. Here, here, here's my pro tip to you. Tell them uh, you you need to um, yeah. hop in on on a on a video oh, yeah. meeting and, and just watch movies on your laptop. Can can I can we can we have a footnote here where I can I don't I feel like maybe I haven't complained about this this year maybe previous years but like <laughs> not to help be my Andy Rooney person but what's the deal with all these people doing video conference calls like I don't I don't get it like I'm on, I go on it's the like bus a lot recurring conversation. I, yeah. I know I, I go I go because we know calendaring's not going to be fixed. So just flush that conversation down the toilet. But like, you know, I get I'm on the bus all the time. And like every day someone's like just hanging out videoing with someone. And it's so like I I don't get it. Like it's just I'm, I don't get that either. I'm the one. I think on the this outs. is just generational. Right. Like if you grew yeah. up 
where you just all you did was take selfies and make videos and do TikTok videos that it's it's just supernatural, right? I think for that generation to just you know, like whip up a video you know, just, call and talk to people. Yeah. You know, just FaceTime everyone. Yeah. Are we are we going to be blamed for all society's problems our generation? No. No, that, no, that, that's no. A next question. <laughs> I just I just want to be prepared. Or no, do you no think not. do you think there is some secret subterfuge in our I mean we're all like generation X people. I think there are there are a there's a cabal of generation X people that we will learn to appreciate in our old age who are actively anti-campaigning against the boomers. So it just skips over us. They're kind of like oh, yeah. Yeah. they're like yeah. let's 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 go for the people before and after us so that no they're one like, realizes yeah. that that we did anything. <laughs> But I think it plays they're, they're, to our stereotype. We don't care. Like Gen X, we just don't care about anything. Exactly. Isn't that our stereotype? So we just yeah. ride that yeah. through, you know, right into old age and right out of the planet, right? Yeah. It's like, we just don't care. That was <laughs> yeah. Gen X. Yeah, exactly. Can't eat, we can't even uh, build up the effort to say, fuck that shit. We're just like, uh, yeah. f- uh It's like, love, okay, millennial, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so you finally did go to the Kubernetes conference down under Matt Ray. Uh, I did. And uh, I did. Uh, now I know there was a bit of an interruption, which you can go over or not. <laughs> but but to, are, is there any salient information you learned about the exciting world of Kubernetes on the Barbie while you were there? Uh, huh. So so yesterday, uh, it's uh, what what day is this? Uh, it's the twelfth here. And <laughs> where are uh, we? Yesterday was the twelfth in Sydney. Well, you guys are you guys are yesterday, and I'm tomorrow, right? Yes. Um. <laughs> Um, I went to the, uh, the Kubernetes, uh, forum, Sydney mm. and, uh, you know, put together by the CNCF. Um, I saw a couple of talks and, uh, you know, the morning keynotes, and then I had to run because my son broke his ankle mm. and, uh, you know, we're, uh, living that, uh, urban lifestyle of only having one car and somebody had to go pick up our other son from school. Oh. So, uh. I missed the afternoon. I, there were a bunch of sessions I really wanted to see. So um, I'll be uh, scraping the YouTubes to see. I guess maybe I'll find the KubeCon versions of those talks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was really disappointing. Um, you know, for my son, of course. But yes. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was very disappointing and also kind of a bummer that he broke his ankle. Yeah. 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 Did- yeah. But but my, you know, my, my quick takeaway, um, there were... I, I'm I'm bad at estimating attendance. Um, you know they they had to goose the attendance numbers a bit. Like uh, about a week ago, they started offering free tickets on mm. the Kubernetes mailing lists. Um, you know it was not full. Um, and, you know I bought my tickets like two or three months ago, so um, it wasn't it wasn't expensive or anything. But you know they they wanted to make sure they had a good solid uh, set of attendance. There were, I mean, obviously. Well, okay, maybe not, obviously. Um, I work with a lot of like more traditional enterprises that are probably not the fast movers who are going to be at the Kubernetes Summit. And so I didn't see a ton of companies' names that, um, you know, that I work with, which, you know, uh, maybe that's an indictment on me. But uh, a lot of small startups, a lot of, you know, um, the digital groups inside of bigger companies, you know, that, uh, they're getting to be the, the ones who experiment on stuff before, uh, mm-hmm. HQ does. Um, there were a couple of companies where they had like 20 people there. Um, so or maybe not 20, but you know, where there were like a disproportionate number of people from one, one or two companies. Uh, 
know, but um, the content was was you know what I saw was good, and uh, I got to catch up with a couple of uh, you know folks that I knew who have kind of transitioned from the uh, the non cloud native over into the Kubernetes world, and you know um, over lunch kind of uh, compared notes. It was it was interesting to hear them say like you know once you get past the shiny veneer of like you know cloud native, they're like it's all the same broken stuff <laughs> mm. yeah. uh, as before. Um, you know, it, it's not like it's, it, you get to kind of do a technology reset, but there's still a lot of the old problems are still there. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know, well, I, uh, I think, I think as always, it's like, you know, what we're really talking about is like, this is just how we computer now. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty much, there's no, like, uh, there's no, I mean, if you still want to like program, there's no magic fix. You're still going to fuck shit up. And, uh, that's, that's, what's going to happen. You know, you, you, you won't realize like configurations you need to make and stuff that needs to happen and anticipate things. It's, uh, but it'll be a little better. Let's be optimistic. It's got the new decade coming. It'll be fun. Well, that, that's, that sounds, uh, sounds solid. I think, I think that is, you know, well, I think, I think we were, we were, we were, uh, I'm still here. What was that noise? Yeah. Huh. Uh, that was just Matt leaving. I think, I think you started, you got a like a little laggy, like he was talking and then I think you, you didn't hear him. So, uh, okay. Well, that's good uh-huh. because it makes my Add interrupting it. easier. But, uh, <laughs> I think, I think, I think here I got, I have two requests, uh, of the listener community yes. and then, and then we could, we could cover some other items. One, I want to know what's up with the Chick-fil-A people running Kubernetes. I did a quick scan for about 15 seconds and nothing came up except their medium post with the Friar later from last year. So I want to know, uh, are they still using Kubernetes? What's going on with the Chick-fil-A people? Got to know. The second one is like, listen, I know we're not supposed a, a question that you have in the uh, at the uh, as you're going up the curve and you reach the apex, you're never supposed to add rhetorically ask how many instances are actually in production. That gets everyone upset. They're just like, this is the wrong question to ask. So I would like someone to tell me the the right way to ask that same question so that I can start trying to figure out like what's actually going on, because it does seem like, um, you know. There's there are instances of people running stuff in production. We have a fine case study of T-Mobile using our yeah. stuff, but whatever. But it is more. I think I think more. It's at this phase. It's not so much to say that Kubernetes is bad or whatever your technology azure is. It's more to figure out where we are in in the uh, the well, process of people using it. And you know, ba- you know, from what you're saying from Broken AnkleCon. Like basically, uh, you know, it's early on. People are figuring things out. And as you would expect, there's a bunch of smaller groups rather than uh, larger groups there. Well, they, they, they did have kind of a, you know, five years in retrospective, you know, a bit, a bit of talking and, you know, claimed that they kind of crossed the chasm into the, the, uh, the, into the enterprise. And I was like, uh, maybe, may, you know, maybe in North America, that's true. I, I, I'm not seeing it here, but you know, I'm not, uh, gonna, you know, impugn Australia's tech scene or anything, but I definitely know it's not happening in mm. Southeast Asia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, but there were, there were definitely a lot of people who had, um, they had operationalized the idea of running, you know, dozens of clusters or more. Um, and, and, you know, almost everyone, 
there, there, there did seem to be a healthy amount of people like having conversations like, you know, EKS versus Fargate. And then, you know, somebody's like, Fargate's mm. not in Sydney yet. That's um, exciting. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, the, the, you know, Adopting it in the cloud does seem to be the first choice option, but yeah. I did I did hear of several several retailers specifically, and uh, and I have worked with a few of them who um, they might run a Kubernetes cluster in every store, and so then you're mm-hmm. you're like you know magically they have you know five thousand deployments. Yeah, um, yeah. See, see, that's that's I I don't I like just to to clarify, I I don't mean this thing in a cynical way, but that's exactly. The Chick-fil-A thing, the T-Mobile thing yeah, and, yeah. and retail stuff is like, I'm curious to see what people are doing, right? Like, like the notion, I mean, uh, l- l- let me just use the word edge computing, right? Like the notion yeah. that l- the notion of edge computing is, is always a little weird, but you could, you could apply that word to, uh, to the, the waffle fry people and the, the, uh, the store people. And so that would be sort of like, uh, I'm sure once it happens, everyone would say how they were totally expecting it and they had, you know, done a Twitter thread about it in like 2003. Uh, but like, you know, uh, that would be pretty unexpected that people are like basically using a Kubernetes cluster to uh, run their in-store thing. And the reason it would be unexpected is like, what? Right. Like they're actually <laughs> not not only is it like multi hybrid private cloud, but it's like, you know, department store cloud. Which I think yeah, would just yeah, like blow is, people's minds. Uh, so, uh, well, it, it, it's it'd definitely be fun to see that. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely fun to see because um, you know I, I hung out with the I, I talked with some of the rancher folks and uh, looking at some of the K three S stuff, which is you know kind of supposed to be like the the edge Kubernetes um, deployment, you know, for for smaller stuff and retail. Like that's a pattern that really works where they've got that old busted hardware. And, you know, they don't, <laughs> they're not going to buy new stuff because they're cheap. And, you know, they've got a really heterogeneous, some of them have really heterogeneous stores. And if they can just put a common layer on top of a lot of mm. random stuff, that that's something that they can maybe skip it. You know, a I hardware like refresh. I like this. This is, this is like this is like the Carl Weathers Kubernetes, where like a bunch of old <laughs> shitty hardware layer on Kubernetes. You got a yeah. stew going. You got a stew going, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I think this is this is. I was just thinking about this the other day when I was walking down the stairs for some reason. That like the thing about new application models and new things like IoT and edge computing. I was realizing why hardware vendors talk about all this stuff, even though they never have anything to op- to sell into it. Is like people don't really reuse the same servers and infrastructure, right? If you're going to do your machine learning thing, you're probably going to just buy a bunch of new, as they used to say, iron, right? If you're going to do your new uh, cloud-native development stuff, you're probably going to buy a bunch of new hardware. And by but, probably, I mean, there's a there's a high chance. It's not 100%. Versus, like, if you can run, every, like with when VMware was around, if you can run everything on the existing hardware, that's a whole other, like, ball game of stuff. So the idea that, like, retailers... Uh, in their department stores. I mean, I, I've never really thought of this idea that you could basically run Kubernetes on some old bullshit in the store, right? Like, and that would be yeah. like, that would be an amazing sort of thing is like, you know, how to, you know, running your clusters on shitty hardware that, uh, well, that, that yeah. you know, is out of warranty or whatever, and how to actually make that work. And uh, I don't know, I mean, your POS uh, stuff. Yeah, well, I, I worked in, uh, I worked for a point of sale company for a couple of years and like having hung around retailers, they will do anything to, mm-hmm. you know, extract additional life from hardware. Um, 
I mean, you know, from from <laughs> from overclocking it to, you know, putting in reconditioned equipment. Uh, just because when you're talking about you know the razor thin margins they have, and um, you know the the fact that well, if they do a hardware refresh, it's going to be across five thousand locations, and they're going to have to you know ship stuff all to all those places. And how do they support it? You know, I. I, I think that the uh, you know there's there's definitely a good opportunity there if if uh, yeah if you got the skills to to <laughs> to invest uh, but then again retail won't pay you much so you know you're yeah. you're kind of in this push pull thing yeah that's a, that's that's the paradox right a lot of interesting yep. like the uh, I love a situation where there is a, a, a an engineering problem at hand that uh, someone could profit from. And yet they want to pay as little money for it as possible. I think yes. they, they call that getting a good deal. Uh, a good buy, <laughs> if I remember, is, uh, is, is always good. Well, you know, let's say you're running out a bunch of shitty hardware and you've managed to get a cluster <laughs> up on it. You've got, you've got the Carl Weathers cluster going there. And, uh, you know, you, you, you need not only an effective, but not an overly priced way of doing it to keep track of what's going on, track things down. You got a lot of nodes going on. You got a lot of pieces floating in your stew. If you got a good stew, you can't really see through it. So you need some way of getting in there and seeing what's going on. Now, is there some kind of offering you might look into to make sure that your stew isn't full of crap? <laughs> well, uh, indeed, there is, Cote. This episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. No one wants to find out about a critical operational issue on Twitter. With SolarWinds Logly, you can spot issues before they affect users by setting up alerting that will notify you immediately when a problem arises. Why stop there? Take it further and proactively monitor your applications using the Logly charts and dashboards to help you visualize what matters and quickly spot patterns across dynamically changing and interconnected services, events, and issues. Connect the da- dots across your log data with Logly. Logly is scalable, cloud-based log management that won't break the blank. Plus, SDT listeners get a special 20% off your first yearly contract of Logly from now until December 31st, 2019. When you mention that you're a listener of SDT, new customers only, void were prohibited. To try it for free for 14 days, just go to logly.com slash SDT. That's L-O-G-G-L-Y dot com slash SDT. And if it logs, it can log to Logly. And of course, we want to thank SolarWinds for being our number one sponsor this year. We really appreciate that. Good old Austin Company. Well, we've got two little ads, so I'm going to give you a very brief you, by you. I guess maybe you two, but the listeners, a very brief geographic oddity. And uh, I was struggling to think of one as Brandon was reading. I was thinking, what if I just started talking uh, and then I came up with one? I don't know if people realize this, but I'm really good at thinking while I talk. Uh, which I guess is is multitasking, but I thought of one before that. And tonight I had, I know I mentioned this before, but I had for dinner one of the, one of my, I know I, <clears throat> complain is the wrong word for me to use. I know I like to comment on Dutch food, uh, but there is something that you would think I wouldn't like that I actually like a whole lot. And that is, they call it a, I think it's a stamp pot or however they pronounce it. And it's basically mashed potatoes mixed in with spinach or kale or some green thing. I think you can also use mashed uh, cauliflower, which might actually be better. But usually the way they serve a stamp pot is uh, when you go to the Albert Hine, they actually have a whole, in the same way that there's a whole section in the cold section of egg and fish salads, 
which is which is something I should talk about at some point. That would be great. <laughs> uh, maybe we can get some some. I could. Uh, I need to talk to my accountant about this. But maybe if I buy one of each of those types of things, I can actually deduct that from my taxes if I talk about it here. Uh, I should I should look that up. Uh, but I can talk about my lunch. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think I've said this before, but I often think I bet that like celebrities deduct their hairstyling costs, right? Oh I mean, yeah. Like. And here we are. We got a little business going, and uh, we talk about stuff that drives business. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> uh, lots of different versions of stamp pots. Now, I, th- the way that they normally serve it is they'll have like a uh, like a sausage, which has the consistency and the taste of a hot dog, but the thickness of a bratwurst. So figure that out, Americans. Uh, but. And it comes in one of those uh, brown kind of glossy gravies, and you're supposed to kind of like put that on top of it. But I don't like that. I'm not into that. So here's here's what I did. I uh, I got I got the uh, I got the the stamp pot on its own. Now I like to I like to eat that with a little crystal hot sauce and maybe some Bragg sauce on it. That's the way I like to eat it. But What's then I, Bragg sauce? you know, Bragg's is that like that's it's it's like that hippie soy sauce, and it's got a picture of like the lady with the flower hat. And the other guy, okay. and they're like inventor of the health food stores. Uh, uh, it's ki- it's kind of like the equivalent of, of Doctor Bronner's soap, but in the uh, condiment area. Um, it's it's pretty good stuff. I don't know. You can you can. Anyways, it's it's all right. Anyways, so I eat that. Meanwhile, I had made spaghetti for my kids, and uh, I just heated up the meatballs, gave the meatballs to my son. He liked it a lot because he asked if there, asked if there were more. But so the stamp pot. It's pretty good. Mashed potatoes mixed in with a leafy green. Delicious. So that's the uh, geographic oddity for this week. But, you know, if I, w- if I, went, uh, uh, I went to the Albert Hine to pick up my, uh, my stamp pot, and let's say they were all out, and then I had to bike the 8 to 10 minutes to the Albert Hine closest to us, I mean, that's 8 or 10 minutes I got, I got to fill with something. Uh, and let's say, yeah. I, let's say I've got something, something I can put in my ears. Matt Ray, what might I fill my ears with? Well, you know, if uh, if you're a software-defined talk listener, then you know we love tech podcasts. And this week, our sponsor is another great tech podcast, Arrested DevOps. The Arrested DevOps podcast will help you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awesomeness. Arrested DevOps is hosted by Matt Stratton, Trevor Hess, and Bridget Cromart. All the hosts are active in the DevOps community, and they help put on DevOps days all over the world. So what are you waiting for? You can subscribe today by searching for Arrested DevOps in your favorite podcast app or by listening or by visiting www.arresteddevops.com. And uh, yeah, I was just listening to uh, the, the, uh, uh, the episode they had with Kelsey Hightower, uh, another great episode. Uh, so check it out. That Bridget, she's a good interviewer because she like, uh, she's nice. I think that, I think is, is is a way of it's it's very like like you can it would be it would be not easy in that you could escape from things being interviewed by her but it would be enjoyable and uh, she'll she'll ask some good questions. Well, I mean, it, it, most of the podcasts aren't that confrontational, but she does definitely has the you know the Midwestern nice. Yeah, right? yeah. I bet I bet they got a stamp pot over there. They probably call it like a hot, <laughs> di- a hot dish or something. And then I bet the, I bet they do the. Uh, Ooh, I gotta try this as a stamp pot. This would be as 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 we used to say back in our our day, like next level. Like if you take the stamp pot and you like turn the broiler all the way up and you brown it crispy on top. Ooh. I bet you got something something going on there. 
that that would be tasty. Well, you know, one of my uh, my I noticed just almost by accident that one of my former employers, Four Five One Research LLC, uh, were actually acquired uh, by the. I had never heard of S and P Global, but I think it's one of these. Uh, cert, they were acquired by them. Um, the S and P five hundred people. I, I assume it's one of these services like uh, Morningstar or like to some extent Bloomberg and. And they would basically just put out like, uh, news for financial people, which, mm-hmm. uh, which I think in the case of 451 makes sense. I mean, I've, I've, I've only made, let's say like an eighth jokingly and, uh, seven eighths accurately and seriously, like for my, uh, 15 months working at 451 research and as a longtime consumer of their research, uh, I do think they are in, in, and I mean this in a good way. They are kind of like a very souped up, like tech crunch behind a firewall. Which is to say, if you remember TechCrunch in its heyday in the uh, late 2000s, it was it was a uh, a very broad, awesome news source, and and to some extent it still is, right? Uh, but it really was this unique thing that was very in depth, covering all sorts of interesting things happening. And four or five one research definitely does that in their reports, except they also cover virtual desktops and uh, all sorts. Of, in fact, they don't really have much overlap with uh, TechCrunch stuff and. They're also really good at actually uh, having a very disciplined format of numbers around things and asking about like uh, kind of checking the health of the company, stuff like that. So it makes sense. You know, what I found when I was there is that there was a very significant portion of the the readers were finance people uh, who I assume would be interested in whatever S&P Global is. And so uh seems like a good mashing up of information. Now, there's also they also own the Uptime Institute, which tracks all sorts of data center stuff, which is also handy because to put it in a joking way, right, they can tell you about all the uh, all the new data center build for the past 10 years in Uruguay. Uh, just they somehow they track all this data center stuff. And I think they do. Uh, what's the certification called? There's some certification that everyone used to know. And maybe like some of the deep nerds who deal with three dimensional objects know it, but they, <laughs> they, uh, they also do some certification of data centers. So like how the, I guess the Uptime Institute still fits in there insofar as providing that information. Cause if you are looking to, uh, do valuations and evaluate market headwinds and tailwinds and there's never a side wind, which I imagine there must be, right? Like if a wind blows up, it's going to blow bottom, you off course. Yeah. 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 I mean, you got sidewinds happen. How come that's not in economics? They, they need to figure that out. And uh, in top winds, bottom winds, oblique winds, whatever the winds are. Uh, You're moving on all the axes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The economics so, okay, needs to move into your, three-dimensional space is what I'm saying. What was your take on um, – because I always think of 451. My reference point was more like Forrest or Gardner. Like that's yeah. kind of who I always – put them in. So I thought it was interesting. I didn't, I honestly didn't know anything about S and P global. So like, did you, would you, do you think of 451 as sort of providing like a different distinct service from the, the gardener in the Forrester? Um, or is it just, you know, is it just one of these things where like, Hey, this, this acquirer came along and, you know, they worked out a good deal. What's your take? Uh, yeah, I think, I think they're, I always think of four or five one is different than Gartner and Forrester. Like, I think, I think, like when I was there, I, I joke that like the the quota I set for myself was I should publish like 1.8 pieces a week, you know, which which is a joking way of saying like I should publish one to two pieces a week and sometimes none, depending on what's happening. And and the point of that is if, if you were to, uh, you know, if you talk to Forrester and Gartner people, they don't publish that frequently at all. Right. Like they they might publish like once a month or if they're like crazy, 
less than once a month. Um, instead, they have every day they have multiple phone calls or inquiries, as they call them. And right. so um, that that nature of that schedule means that, one, you write a lot more, but the nature of what you write is different, right? So you end up covering you try to cover all the news that happens in the enterprise software space. All is the wrong word, but you cover a huge amount of news. Whereas like you wouldn't really go to Forrester and Gartner to keep up with the news in the enterprise IT space. Like you would be terribly informed <laughs> if, if, if you did that, when, which well, is fine because yeah. that's not their job, right? Like, yeah. or I should say that's not their job. That is not what they have made their job into. And so I think of 451 as like the weekly analyst firm and the other analyst firms is like, you know, the PDF firms. Um, and the quarterly review. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think also the other nature of that is 451 will much more closely follow companies, startups and large companies reporting on not so much their numbers, but reporting on like their status and what they're doing and their health than uh, a Gartner or Forrester will. Um, so for example, like when I was, when I was working in M&A, like we would use, when we wanted to learn about a company really fast, uh, we would read 451. Like when, and when we wanted to learn about a market and ideas in a market and trends in a market, we would look at Gartner and Forrester, right? So like, I think 451 is kind of, Size is always judgmental, but I don't mean it to be judgmental in this instance. 451 is like, is like small picture and the other firms are like big picture, which means you can get a lot of detail or too much detail, or you can get a big idea or like no idea, <laughs> depending on what, what you're looking for. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, sort of like the rise of all these newsletters, um, you know, 451 storm fits in that category too a little bit to me it's sort of like you know your daily kind of research note yeah, um yeah. and then of course there's all these you know ben thompson sort of made it famous but lots of other people doing these kind of daily newsletters so yeah guess, you know yeah. it's true the uh gardener doesn't have or sorry 451 you know they don't really have the their magic quadrant or forester wave right yeah. so that's probably the thing that forester and gardener know the most for i guess we'll you know I guess we'll call that analysis, the analysis they put yeah. in yeah. those and, documents. And, and, you know, over the years, individuals uh, at 451, I mean, they've had a few, like, things, uh, but not at the scope of, like, you know, waves and quadrants or even cool vendors. Like, and the two notable ones are back, back remember Big Data when that was going to be a thing? I yeah. sure remember <laughs> that. Uh, back, back when Big Data was a thing, um, what's his name? Uh, Matt Aslett. He would do at least an annual, I think it was maybe like a vortex or a spiral or something, but he, or no, he would do a, a, a map based on the, uh, the tube. Uh, and he would do this map of how all the, um, the big data vendors were related, which, which kind of showed up a lot. And then, uh, you also have Dr. Owen, last name forgotten tragically uh and he he i think he still does this he did a great uh cloud basket of goods and i think one of the links that we were going that we have was some some uh some paper over you know what value is aws or something uh but but dr owen rogers there you go he what the way he figured out comparing cloud stuff is he would come up with a basket of goods of like for this type of application, here are the services you would buy from each cloud. And he would do a comparison of the pricing. And I think that's still used uh, quite a bit. And there's a few other things like that uh, that come and go. But, um, you know, as always with an acquisition, well, two things. One, 
I think the, I think if 451 could sort of just attach itself to a gigantic subscription base, they would thrive really well, right? Because they would just like write a bunch of articles on stuff. Uh, and which, which would be nice. They wouldn't have to be like battle out for all these, these small things. Now, on the other hand, right? Like if you were looking to, uh, uh, really optimize, which is to say, get rid of people and, uh, cut things, uh, there is, there is, you know, you could go way too deep with what 451 has, right? There's like, there's a survey thing that they have that's probably pretty cheap to run and might be attractive to keep. And, uh, you know, the uptime stuff is, is pretty good. And you would need to like, kind of go through the analyst and see like, uh, you know, I mean, it would be, it'd be pretty terrible if they got the, uh, the search results and they just ranked the views on things, which would be a not so accurate way of, of looking at stuff. But I think, I think just being part of a larger organization, I'm assuming SNMP global is good and not like some little rinky dink thing that's got a fancy name. Uh, but yeah, it's probably nice to be part of a, uh, a larger organization. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. It would be, <laughs> it would be nicer if someone could help them figure out being less behind the firewall. I think they would benefit a lot because their stuff is kind of hidden and obscure. And they're also one of these firms that really like walks the line behind like, you know, they're nodding their head yes as they say, you should not share our content. <laughs> right? Like, like they send out a newsletter. And the links they have in the newsletter for maybe two or three days, you don't actually have to log in to look at them. At least last I checked, which is a little like something weird is going on there. Uh, so, you know, they sort of uh, encourage emailing things around. Uh, it, it seems based on what they're doing. And then and then to wrap up, you know, the joke I made in Twitter is uh, in the press release, no price of acquisition was mentioned. And usually when no price is mentioned, the place you go to look up estimates for the price is 451 which I guess you can't do in this instance. But I'll, yeah. I, or maybe I, it'll be very accurate. If you look it up, it'll be, it'll be behind the firewall and extremely accurate. I'll, I'll go, I'll go see what the, uh, I, think, I think the guy who still heads up the, 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 the team there is this Brendan guy. I'll have, to go, uh, I'll, ha- I'll have to go see if he's written something on his, uh, his blog or Twitter about the pricing. But yeah, good luck to them. That, that'll probably be, uh, that'll good be Good on you, yeah, 451. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. You know, good luck. Uh, <laughs> well, we've got we've got a few more minutes left here. Now we've got yeah. a bunch more things we didn't go over here. We'll put them in the show notes. If you want to get the show notes, uh, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash two zero nine. That's two hundred nine. That's the number episode that we are here. And just as a little uh, little whatever, you know the uh, the uh, the holiday seasons are coming up. Your your whatnots. So. We're going to have, I think, one more episode next week where we do our Ask SDT thing. If you have any questions for us that we might choose to answer in our next episode or other yep. ones, you can uh, send it to us in Slack or you can use the hashtag Ask SDT. I guess wherever we'll, we'll search. So we'll go yeah. over that and maybe we'll do some predictions if we have time. And then I think we're going to have some uh, lovely interviews running as well. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, you get one more episode from us. Uh, also... There's still some conferences that we have to mention. There's Delivery Conf in Seattle next uh, next year, which is to say next month. We've got a promo code SDT10 to get 10% off. There's uh, in June, if you really like to plan ahead of time, there's ChefCon coming up. Conf, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wonder if there's a lot of discussion over a con versus a conf. I bet that comes up. Uh, 
And, uh, and then also the, uh, the GitLab commit conferences on uh, January 14th. So you can go check in on their uh, 40 pillars, see how they're doing there. Uh, Do we have any feedback from listeners or anything we want to go over, Brandon? Well, we just have uh, a little giveaway. So the publisher of writing software, uh, a book that's going to be, uh, I guess was published here December 16th. They have given us a free code to download uh, a digital copy of the of this book so just going to keep it real simple the first person to uh either send me a dm on twitter or send me a dm on the sdt slack telling me that you are interested in reading this book i will gladly give you this code and then and then maybe you can even uh read the whole thing tell me how good it is and send me back a a quick review that i can read later uh, on a future episode so if you're interested in and uh, it's uh, and I guess it is a value. Let's see here. I put a value on the list price of this book. Ebook is thirty one dollars. So there Whoa. you have it. So you're you're getting a retail value thirty one dollars. So now, Merry now, Christmas to whoever gets the code. Is this mm-hmm. is this a thirty ninety nine situation or it's literally thirty one dollars, Brandon? Uh, no, it said thirty one dollars ninety nine cents. That's what huh. they said. The list. Well, they said my price is that. The list price is thirty nine ninety nine. Whoa. Regardless, but that's okay. What, whoever gets it for free, and in fact, I uh, I got a copy, and they have it in. Uh, what is Matt Ray? What is your favorite uh, ebook format, Matt? Is it PDF? EPUB or which one? <laughs> Every I know you single have... time I have to Google Kindle ebook format. Okay. Well, and they have like both. They have Moby. the Pub Moby. Yeah, they have that one. They had the Matt Ray format, so it'll work on Linux probably. And then they had uh, they have EPUB, Moby, and PDF. So one of those will work for you, mm. I'm sure. Mm. Well, uh, and, then, uh, oh, and just on, real quick, and if anyone wants uh, some uh, stocking stuffers, I'm happy to send you uh, some Software Defined Talk stickers. Just email me your mailing address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and uh, we'll fire off a bunch of stickers that you can give to your kids, put on your Yetis, put on all your new uh, Christmas gear, maybe your laptops. Do what you want with them. I, I want to make great. a suggestion. If you put out a plate of cookies for Santa, put some stickers on there. I think Santa would like them. We'll t- Why take not? Them back to the elves. I like it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and what here, here's and no spoilers. So if you're a kid, don't listen to this. But you know how you take a bite out of the cookie to show that Santa was there? What you're going to want to do is peel the sticker off, but leave the backing there to show that Santa <laughs> used the sticker. So that there's, there's proof of that. All right. Well, uh, this week, Brandon, what do you have to recommend? Uh, I watched the General Magic, General Magic the movie. It was a documentary of a company, not surprisingly, called General Magic. So they were, you know, essentially the people that maybe first attempted to bring uh, something like the iPhone uh, to market. So it's a documentary of sort of the rise and fall. Uh, and uh, it's, I think, available. Where did I watch it? I watched it on one of the various streaming services. So it's interesting um, to see it because, one, I, I like this because it isn't necessarily the uh, – and everyone got rich. It actually turns out that you know what they built um, was just not not ready for the market at the time, and they kind of document that in uh, detail. But it's amazing um, the people that were involved that worked at this company. It was like the people, um, uh, the person that went on to like basically start Android, the person that put together the first uh, iPad. Um, sorry, not what is it? What am I thinking? Not iPod uh, was involved there. I mean, so it's kind of a who's who of of people that have worked in tech and I'm sure everybody, and then they kind of show you like what all these people have gone on to do. So it was a good, uh, a good movie. And it, and it is, it's sort of like maybe the kind of story that people don't tell enough where it's like these people worked really hard 
they created something that looked pretty good, but you know, they could never get traction for a variety of reasons. So, you know, sometimes it isn't, you don't always end up a billionaire. So I enjoyed watching it. It was interesting history. So if you're looking for something to watch, check that out. Mm, That does sound good. Matt Ray yourself, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, this, well, speaking of like, you know, documentaries and stuff, um, I, I was watching a documentary from 2004, I think, uh, called how buildings learn. Um, it's, uh, BBC series based off of a book by uh, Stuart Brand from Long Now Foundation and uh, Whole Earth Catalog. Um, you know, it, it's it's probably if you're paying attention to like architecture stuff, you know, it's not that new, but uh, it's nice. Uh, I, I, I kind of gotten in the habit of kind of leaving documentaries on in the background while I work where, you know, maybe you're not going to pay that close attention, but you know, you get the gist of it and it's, it's entertaining. Um, it's up on YouTube. Uh, so, uh, you know, check that out. And then, um, I have really been enjoying the new, uh, oxide, uh, computing podcast on the metal. Um, the new episode, uh, where they interviewed, uh, one of the guys from, uh, Google and Facebook and, uh, the open compute stuff. Um, really entertaining um you know probably uh those of us who dabble in the hardware and and you know enjoy the the carl weathers clusters um you know you're definitely gonna enjoy that so check it out Mm, bare metal well i have a very simple straightforward recommendation that i don't think is surprising last friday uh we bought the uh bot we we got the old disney plus and uh my son cormac and i watched like all the episodes of the mandalorian i think my daughter was sitting there uh, watching as she loves to, and I, I, uh, uh, I, I like. She was watching some Teen Titan excerpts on uh, on her YouTube. If you haven't seen the Teen Titan Tooth Fairy episode, you should really check that out. That's that's one of the better ones. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, The Mandalorian. It's great. It's like you know, if you don't like that, you shouldn't be alive. That's just uh, that's the way it is. <laughs> wow. it's, it's just solid entertainment. There's nothing nothing okay. wrong going. Now, I don't know where this baby Yoda thing is going because more or less, I just don't think about that part because it's a little too adorable. I don't know about that, but I understand that people are into that, and sometimes you just gotta like you know do whatever. But that's <laughs> fine. Overall, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, it's good stuff. Maybe you could still be alive if you don't like it. That's fine. That's fine. I'm just saying. It's a good general purpose entertainment stuff that uh, what's his name in Iron Man? Happy, that happy guy who makes it. He's doing a good job yep. or, or did a good job. I guess it's all over now. Uh, but that's what I got this weekend. Well, as always, this has been uh, Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 209. Also, if you go there uh, to softwaredefinedtalk.com, uh, you can see all our past episodes, see how to join the Slack channel. I don't know. We got all that stuff. You should uh, really check it out. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. We're the Teen Titans. No need for introductions. Da-da-da-da-da. We met while you were sleeping. Yes, I wiggled my fingers under all of your pillows to extract the pearly treasures held under them. Da-da-da-da-da. All except you, Raven. You never gave me your precious teeth. It made me cover them even more. Da, 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 da. Ugh, I'd never sell my teeth to some creep. I don't even know what you do with them. Isn't it obvious? Jewelry? <gasps> Disgusting. Tooth replacements? No need. Da, 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 da. Do you dress them up and play with them like dolls? I am not a monster. 
I do what any normal person would do with teeth. I eat them. <laughs>